You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Don't say anything. Just listen. We're back. We're back. We are back. Did you miss us? You know why we're here? Here, we have to produce. We're only here because we win. New year, new opportunities. Same goal. Try to be the best in your own profession. And the best again is signified by winning. New year, new team. Same goal. Bring Lombardi home. It's the tradition. It's the glory. Confidence. The man who is trained to his peak capacity will gain confidence. And the price of success is hard work. We put in the work. Now we put on the show. It won't be easy. But nothing worth doing is. This year is our time. Our time. It's go time. It's show time. Let's go! Let's go! Break the ball, you. Turn up the lights. Do it for your brothers. Do it for Green Bay. Do it for the Chiefs. Yes, sir. It is football season. We are in week one, less than 24 hours away from opening kickoff. And I could not be more fired up. So I apologize if I'm screaming into the mic. But guys and gals, we made it. We are here. and. We're going to talk a little Minnesota Vikings today, and we're going to do it a little bit different fashion than probably what most podcasters are doing, okay? We're going to approach it from the coaching staff's perspective. We're going to dive into a game plan, if you will. We're going to look at the Minnesota Vikings, their new coaching staff, and while there's so many other people that are kind of approaching this game going, well, we really don't know what they're going to do because it's a new coaching staff, but they have a lot of the same uh, personnel and this and that. No, we're going to dive into the numbers. We're going to look real, real deep into football analysis. We're going to kind of pull the curtain back and go, okay, what did the Vikings do last year? What did the L.A. Rams do last year? Because, of course, Kevin O'Connell is their new head coach in, in Minnesota. What did their offensive and defensive coordinators, what's their approach to the game? What's a little bit of their background, their heritage, if you will? And we're going to see if we can dissect this game and kind of give you a preview into what to expect tomorrow when that when that horn does go off, right? And I'm not talking about the Viking horn. I'm talking about when we kick this thing off for real in 2022, what can we kind of expect? So that's what the show is going to be today. So welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter 
at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers total access at gmail.com. And just want to mention that today's show is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Pristine is the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. All of our listeners have a chance to actually win a Jordy Nelson signed football championship trophy, basically a mini Lombo, a mini Lombardi award. And you can check that out on our Twitter page to see a picture of it. It's really, really sick. Autographed by White Lightning, uh, White Chocolate, as Ock Taylor referred to him, uh, Jordy Nelson himself. Now, all you got to do is head over to pristineauction.com and click register on the top of the page. When you register, use your registration code FAVRE, F-A-V-R-E, and that'll enter you into the contest. As a bonus, Pristine Auction will actually kick in $10 off your first winning auction. Uh, Keep in mind, guys, that every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators, and the drawing will be held on Monday, September 19th. I've ordered now eight jerseys off of pristineauction.com. One, you know, winning really, it really surprised me how low of a bid that uh, that I got on these items. Every one of them come with a certificate. Everything is as advertised. So make sure you put yourself in a position to win. That's really cool. We got an email from a listener that we'll wrap up today that actually won the first Quay Walker jersey that we gave uh, gave away, which is really really cool. So um, just wanted to mention that again. Appreciate pristineauction.com for uh, sponsoring the show. And, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, future business with those guys. So let's do it. Let's get right into it. And there's no better place to start, guys, than the injury report. I know I've been following along with the past few podcasts, kind of giving you guys an update. Okay, here's what to expect as far as, you know, injuries are concerned. And we got, you know, obviously the the Friday reports, which now kind of stamps players as questionable, uh, you know, doubtful, out for the game, that type of thing. So let's start in Minnesota. In Minnesota, um, their injury report has three players, which is surprising. I mean, they're actually pretty healthy, right? Jonathan Bullard, who's a defensive lineman, he's got a bicep injury. He was limited on practice Wednesday, Thursday, and he was full participation on Friday, but he's listed as questionable. Um, sounds like he'll probably be ready to go. Uh, Alexander Madison, this is one I think could play a big role, right? He's their backup running back, and we know um, he's he's one of the better backup running backs in the league, in my opinion. Um his injury is, it says, not injury-related. It's a personal matter. He did not participate Thursday, did not participate Friday, and there's no status listed. So he may be out for the game. My guess is he probably will be out for the game. Typically, when they don't put anything in that game status, that's usually a sign that that you know that they may be out for the game. You know, I, you would think they would list out, but it might be one of those things. Maybe he had a death in the family, something like that. I don't know. It might be a game-time decision. Don't want to speculate there. But like I said, um, nothing listed there as game status. <clears throat> Lewis Seen, the rookie safety, right? You know, he was pretty high on my board. I know uh, I think Jacob thought of him pretty high, if I remember correctly, as well during our draft show. Um, several people thought, you know, Lewis Seen was one of the better safeties in the draft. Well, he's got a knee injury he's been working with. Wednesday, he was not listed on the injury report. Thursday, limited participation, did not participate on Friday. He is questionable for the game. So I would say he's most likely not going to see much time, if any, at all. Let's move over to Green Bay. And I hope you've uh, hope you're comfortable because this is a long list. All right, it's going to take a second. Alan Lazard. I'm not going to mention Wednesday, Thursday's uh, status. I'm just going to mention Friday since there's so many of them, and then give you the game status. Okay, Alan Lazard dealing with the ankle injury, got stepped on in practice. We know that he did not participate Friday, and he is doubtful for the game uh, on Sunday. So I do not expect Alan Lazard to play against the Vikings on Sunday. That's that's a pretty big uh, pretty big knock against this offense. David Bakhtiari, you guys know he was limited on Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, he did not participate. We do not know if that was a veteran's rest day or if something flared up. I don't know, but he is officially listed as questionable. 
I'm going to put it this way with David Bakhtiari. If he does not play, guys, his his career may be over. And I'm not trying to sound a horn for alarm and and uh, and you know cause cause a stir, or try to you know be abrasive and and get attention here. And oh, that's a hot take. No, I mean, guys, it's been a long time. If he if he's not ready to go this Sunday, he may never be ready to go. And I'm prepared to accept that moving forward. Just, you know, and again, if he comes out and plays and plays the whole season, that's freaking awesome. But the fact that he's listed as questionable, even if he was listed as probable, I would still go, man, what in the world? Like, how is he not just a full go? But it is what it is. Elton Jenkins, that pectoral injury plus his knee injury, he was limited on Friday. He's listed as questionable. I think he will go. I do. And I hope I'm right there. Um, we really need one of those two tackles to play. Um, I feel like if Elton Jenkins goes, put him at right tackle, put put Yash on the left side of the line, and let's go at it. The reason being is because Zadarius has already confirmed he's been moving around a lot. So they'll probably use him in that A-gap the same way that Mike Smith and Mike Pettin used him in Green Bay, right? So I don't think he'll be on an island over there, um, Yash would, just blocking um, uh, Zadarius Smith. So I would say put Yash at left tackle, put Elton Jenkins on the right side so he can kind of contain Daniil Hunter there and roll with it that way. But Darnell Savage was limited in practice. Nothing mentioned there. That tells me he's probably playing, okay? Robert Tunyon, limited in practice. Nothing mentioned, probably a go. Mason Crosby, full practice. He's definitely a full go. Tipa Nalia, um, full practice. He's a go. Jake Hansen, full practice. Yash Nyman, full practice. Christian Watson, full practice. All week long, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we can expect him on the field. And I'm going to tell you right now, with Alan Lazard being out of the lineup, we need Christian Watson's size and speed to stretch that defense a little bit. Guys, when we run that underneath mesh, whether it, whether or not it's – it could even be just a, a a drag Dino concept, right, where you've got kind of a uh, – not a drag, a crosser Dino concept. Because one of the things that Matt LaFleur's system tries to do, especially with play action, is suck the defense up. And then on the backside – hammer in that crosser. You've seen Devontae hit it several times. You've seen Alan Lazard hit it several times. That's one of the staples of this offense. The fact that we will have Christian Watson stretching the field in that Z, whether it's the X or the Z, and then have that slot crosser or even a you know an opposite boundary receiver running that deep crosser, and then an underneath, underneath whether it's a, uh, a delayed release with Rob Tunyon or it's uh, Aaron Jones on a delayed release out of the backfield or – you know, whatever, like I said, a Dino out of the tight end, out of that Y spot underneath. What you're trying to do is get the defense to pull up, stretch the field vertically, and then have two um, two what you call uh, levels underneath that you're attacking, right? One anywhere from 7 to 15 yards off the line of scrimmage and the other, you know, maybe two, three yards off, three yards off the line of scrimmage. This is how you attack this defense that we run too, because there's a lot of sugar, a lot of pre-snap sugar. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But that stuff is very, very important when you're attacking this Vic Fangio-style cover four defense. All right, so uh, Mercedes Lewis also full protect, uh, for full participation, so he will be a go. So that's great news there. That's your injury report. Just a recap, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Guys, if, if David Bakhtiari doesn't go, this is really, really serious. If Elton Jenkins doesn't go, then that pectoral injury is a lot more serious than we thought as well. But nonetheless, we need one of those uh, two guys to be starting. You know, that's the other thing, too. I don't think they're serious about putting Yash at right tackle. I really don't. I think what will probably happen, if for some reason David Bakhtiari can go and Elton Jenkins can't, 
David Bakhtiari obviously will play left tackle. I think you kick Royce Newman out the right tackle, and then you replace him at right guard with, uh, you know, Jake Hansen or maybe even Zach Tom. But uh, we'll see how that plays out. But that's your injury report. Now, let's move on here, and we're going to jump into the game planning aspect. All right. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this, guys. I'm a nerd. A lot of people heard me in the offseason talk a lot of history. And I love, I love history. I really do. But the thing that I think my strength would probably be, and this is if you talk to other people that's watched football games with me, is I'm such a nerd. I've watched so much football. I kind of understand the X's and O's to a certain extent. Not to the extent of some of the, the best. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. But this is, if there's anything I'm not bad at, <laughs> this is it, okay? I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I'm definitely not bad at this. I love looking at the game planning aspect. You know, I've read, I think I've read a half a dozen books now, just understanding um, from a professional standpoint, you know, people like, uh, um, you know, Michael Lombardi, people like uh, Bill Belichick, um, even even some of the stuff behind the scenes with uh, Scott Pioli on how he builds a team from a game planning aspect, you know, when it, with his time there with the New England Patriots and the Chiefs, all the way back to the Cleveland Browns before they moved to Baltimore. There's a lot of books that I've read um, that, that really uh, – um, kind of gave me some insight on, wow, I thought I was watching the game the proper way, and I wasn't. You know, there's actually a great book, and it's called Take Your Eye Off the Ball by Pat Kerwin. I've read that book now. I've probably read it 10 times. And when I say read it, I read it twice and then listened to it on audio on loop for a long time because there's so many things you can pick up from it, right? So let's let's look at this Minnesota Vikings team from that standpoint, okay? Let's look at it that way. So we got the Packers and the Vikings, 325 Central Time, 425 Eastern on Sunday, right? It's at Minnesota, obviously. Minnesota in uh, in 2021, right, they had an underwhelming season. I think people would say that. Um, let's look at their scoring offense, okay, first. Minnesota, they averaged 25 points per game. That was 14th best in the league. So they were just middle of the pack when it comes to scoring offense, right? Um, now, the L.A. Rams, the reason I mentioned them, Kevin O'Connell comes over from the L.A. Rams. He was their offensive coordinator. They were they scored 27.1 points per game, and they were ranked seventh in the entire National Football League. Okay, so you can kind of see why they wanted to bring him in, and this is something that, that Green Bay's had a lot of success with, with this Shanahan-style offense. You also seen Chicago, um, you know, pry a couple of people away from Green Bay because they want to run the same style offense, right? So that's how this all comes into play. Um, on defense, Minnesota scoring defense was 25.1 points per game. They were 24th in the league, okay? So they were well below the mid-mark there in the National Football League as far as scoring defense. The L.A. Rams scoring defense, 21.9 points per game, and they were 15th, okay? Now, it's keep in mind that Denver – their defensive coordinator, Ed Donatell, is the new defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. So you got to kind of take that L.A. Rams defensive approach with a little bit of a grain of salt, although Ed Donatell does come from that Vic Fangio-style defense. But let's just talk about Kevin O'Connell here a second. Comes over from the L.A. Rams. He was their offensive coordinator. Let's look at personnel-wise, okay? And, and personnel, what I mean by personnel, guys, it's a number system that the coaches use. And some of you are going, we know, Clayton, we know you've talked about it before. We may have new listeners. I'm sure we do. If you guys could see the download numbers right now, first of all, Packernet Podcast is absolutely exploding, and we could not be more excited um, for the for the gang. It's just it's, – it's really awesome to see all of Ryan's hard work over the years come to fruition. But – We've probably got new listeners. 
11 personnel or personnel in general. The first number is the number of running backs on the field. The second number is the number of tight ends on the field. It's a very quick way for the coaches to go 11 personnel. Rather than saying three wide receiver set, they say 11 personnel. That means one running back, one tight end. You've got the next group of guys ready to run on the field to play defense, okay? So it's very, very important to understand that the NFL isn't like it was when I was growing up in the 90s and all the way back in the 80s and the 70s where first down you would have your base offense out there no matter what the – or the base defense out there no matter what the offense was running. Things have totally changed. Now it's all about matching personnel. So if they bring a 21 personnel on the field, two running backs, one tight end, we're running our base defense out. And you've got those spotters on the sideline going 21, 21. That way you know, okay, we're running whatever set we got. They may even say 21 and 34 bear, and that tells us, okay, we're running a 34 bear on the field. That's the setup we're, we're looking to run, and that may get adjusted in the huddle you know, from the defensive captain. But – Let's break it down. Minnesota last year, they ran 11 personnel 47% of the time. They ran 12 personnel 13% of the time and 21 personnel 18% of the time. Guys, this is to- the reason it's so important when people go, well, we don't know much about the coaching staff. Well, let's see how it plays out. They're a little bit of a wild card. That's, that's BS because we have the LA Rams numbers right here. And if anything, there might be a blend of it. And the reason I think there may be a blend of the two is because if you guys remember, when Matt LaFleur was hired in Green Bay, he didn't just jump right into his scheme immediately. They blended Mike McCarthy's system with Matt LaFleur's to make this smooth transition into what the Green Bay offense is today, right? Now you're seeing a lot more of Matt LaFleur's system implemented, and uh, I think you'll kind of see the same type of thing. You've got this roster. The majority of the roster is full of players that played in that scheme last year. So you don't want to come in and just shock the culture and change everything completely over. So you got to kind of look at both teams and what personnel they ran last year, because it takes a little bit of time to roll that, to roll that roster over into the scheme that you're running, right? That's why there's usually a setback. And it's so rare that someone like Matt LaFleur comes in in his first season and wins 13 games. But I think it's because he was willing to budge a little bit and go, you know what? I'm going to listen to Aaron and let him have some freedom in this offense. And let's, let's meld these two offenses together as we fade into my new offensive scheme. So um, LA Rams last year, 11 personnel, that's a three wide set. They led the league in 11 personnel, 86% of the time. They ran 11 personnel, guys. That is that is huge. I mean, that's that's an extremely, extremely high number for 11 personnel. They ran 12 personnel 12% of the time, which is within 1% of what the Minnesota Vikings did. So that's definitely going to be their secondary formation, one running back, two tight ends, right? That's a staple in the Shanahan-style offense, unless, of course, you're in uh, San Francisco where they've got Juszczyk, who's an awesome, awesome fullback that can do a lot of things in that offense, he acts as that second tight end. So you get that number flipped to where they run a lot of 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end. Your halfback, use check at the fullback and one tight end. Okay. So that number at 12 personnel is pretty much a mirror. The the big change is Minnesota ran 21 personnel 18% of the time last year. And the LA Rams ran it 0% of the time. Okay, so you're probably not going to see much 21 personnel. You're going to see things shift to 11 personnel and 12 personnel, which means the tight ends are going to be involved quite a bit. Now, I think that's an advantage for Green Bay and where the Minnesota Vikings might have a little bit of a setback because the best tight end on their roster is Irv Smith Jr. And he's nothing to ride home about. I don't think he's a bad tight end, but he's not a Higby out in L.A. He's not even a Tunyon in Green Bay, right? And you see these teams that like to run this stuff. Well, let me give you another example, right? San Francisco, 
Shanahan, kind of the the father of this new age of this this wide zone you know system, right? Look who they've got. They've got Kittle out there. Kittle's an all pro, right? So they don't have that tight end play, which tells me they're going to have to lean on their wide receivers. Therefore, you're going to see a lot of 11 personnel. That would be my assessment. And we'll talk about assessment here in a minute and how Michael Lombardi kind of breaks that down and breaks the game into sections. But on offense, they've got a uh, their offensive coordinator is Wes Phillips. Okay. He came over from the LA Rams with Kevin O'Connell. He was the tight ends coach. Hint, hint. You've got a weakness, right, on the offense. You want somebody who specializes in that weakness to try to make it a strength. I think that's a great hire by Minnesota. It's kind of like what we did with defensive coordinator. You heard Ryan talk about it, right? Defensive coordinator, who did we bring in? We brought in Joe Barry. Why did we bring in Joe Barry? Because our middle linebackers have sucked since A.J. Hawk left, period, right? So you want someone who specializes in that because you see that as a glaring need. They can kind of advance that process a lot quicker. Right. So Wes Phillips, tight end coach. But here's another thing, too. He was also the L.A. Rams passing coordinator. OK, now you're starting to understand why the Rams crap the bed on Thursday night's game against the Bills. Right. The Bills are a powerhouse. Don't get me wrong. They're one of the better football teams I've seen in a very, very, very long time. But they lost their offensive coordinator. They lost their passing team court, their passing game coordinator. You can kind of see why that offense struggled quite a bit. Right. That and scheming for the first week. Something else you got to understand in week one, guys, this is as close to a playoff atmosphere as you're going to freaking get. And the reason being is every single team in week one, maybe with the exception of the Bears, think they actually have a chance, right? And the, and everybody is so excited about football being back. All the stadiums are going to be packed. It's going to be rowdy. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. Week one is one of those weeks, if you're a gambler, you might want to play it really, really conservative because there's a lot of weird things that go on in week one, and that's why, right? Um, so, again, him coming over from the L.A. Rams, tight ends coach, passing coordinator. He's a third-generation coach too, guys. You hear the name Phillips, right? Wes Phillips. His grandfather was Bum Phillips, the great head coach from the past, and his dad is Wade Phillips, who is a defensive coordinator in Denver and in Dallas, been all over the place, one of the more respected um, defensive coordinators in the history of the game, right? Well, he's a third-generation coach. He's got the pedigree. This 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 guy's been around football since he was knee-high to a grasshopper, right? Or since we say down here, since he was crapping yellow. That's That dude has been around football his entire life. Let's hop over on the defensive side of the ball. Their defensive coordinator is Ed Donatel. I'm not a huge fan of Ed Donatel. I don't think he's done a great job in places that he's went. I really don't. I look at his track record and I go, he's never really been a, a winner. You know, you guys may remember him when he uh, when he coached defense for the Green Bay Packers, the famous, I think it was fourth and 26 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Some some people right there, they just cut the pot off. They're like, Clayton, I can't believe you even brung that up. Trust me, it hurts me, too. He was the def- I believe he was the defensive coordinator for Green Bay when that play happened and it cost him his job. Um, at least he was the secondaries coach. I know he did get fired after that fourth and 26 play. Um, he's just one of those guys that. You know, it's one thing to be around a game for a long time, and yeah, he's that Vic Fangio-style cover four look, that too, too high, you know, two safeties on the shelf top look. But, um, man, it, it, I, when I take into consideration personnel, whether it's players or coaches, I'm looking for people who have a winning track record. That's why I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. Everywhere the guys went, he's won, right? And here he, he had to fight through multiple coordinators in Cleveland, and he still somehow had some success, right? He graded out very, very high. Um, with PFF for three of the first four years. And the last year he was hurt with a bum shoulder, but the kids won everywhere he's went, whether you like his attitude or not. He's a winner. 
I think that stuff comes into play. I think it's very, very important to take into consideration that when you uh, when you're looking at players, whether you're bringing in players or coaches, I mean, I want people who's got a pedigree of winning. I want people who's been around the game and who just knows when the game's on the line, they know how to get it done. Right. That's stuff that's important to me. So that's kind of how the coaches lay out. Head coach Kevin O'Connell, we gave you the personnel. We're expecting a lot of 11 personnel. The run-to-pass ratio, let's look at that real quick. Minnesota, 42% run and 58% pass. L.A. Rams, 41% run, 59% pass. Basically the same exact numbers, guys, only a 1% difference. So you're going to basically see a uh, you know 42% run, 58% pass most likely, right? And I, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, there's no heavily tilted numbers in either direction. There's a, a couple of wild card offenses that the numbers are really, really leaning in one direction throughout the National Football League. That's that's a little bit high to me for a pass rate. But then again, you've got to take into consideration they brought Matt Stafford out there. They wanted to run a lot of 11 personnel. They wanted to pass the ball a lot and utilize the fact that they finally got a, a good veteran quarterback. And then, of course, Minnesota was probably losing a lot of games last year, which forced them to pass a lot. So those numbers can get a little bit foggy as well. So that's how the coaches lay out. Kevin O'Connell, head coach. Wes Phillips, third-generation coach. Wade Phillips, his son. He was the tight end uh, coach slash passing coordinator for the defending champion L.A. Rams. Ed Donatel, the old man, comes over from Denver. He's a master of the Vic Fangio style. Whether he's good at it or not, he definitely knows that defense in and out. But let's do this. Let's take us a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to kind of talk about how we should approach uh, those numbers that I just laid out for you. Okay. But first, let's take us, like I said, let's take us a quick break and pay a few bills. All right. So let's do it, guys. On offense, first of all, as, uh, as Michael Lombardi says, the game is broke, broken down into kind of three segments. The first quarter is all about assessment. The first quarter is all about, okay, what did we study all week? What did we think they were going to do? And are they doing it? Did we did we cheat properly, right? Did we cheat on the test? Were we successful in cheating and understanding, okay, we watched a, a previous four-game saturation of these coaches, these teams, right? So they probably went back and watched the L.A. Rams footage. They probably watched Minnesota game tape to kind of, okay, here's, here's where they're looking at from a talent standpoint. But then look at what the L.A. Rams did schematically last year. Okay, here's what I think they're going to do on offense and on defense. Looking at Vic Fan or looking at Ed Donatel's uh, defense coming over from Denver, and maybe a little bit of what the L.A. Rams did on defense as well, because you know the head coach has a lot of say in what defense and defensive schemes are put into place. Right, that stuff is very, very, very important. So first quarter is all about assessment. Are they eleven heavy? That's the question I got down. Are they? leaning on that 11 personnel or they, you know, I would even look at it and go, okay, if you, you know, there's coaches charting every single play on the sideline. Well, most likely in the booth, right? They're charting it and they're passing that information down that headset. A lot of people see the coaches with the headsets. You probably think, what are they talking about? They're getting this information in real time fed up from the fed down from the booth. Right? So this information is coming in. And what the first question that Matt LaFleur is going to be asking, and more, more importantly, Joe Barry, is uh, how, how 11 personnel heavy are they? Okay, and if they, if they charted it and whoever's charting upstairs <clears throat> said, yeah, man, I, I've got them at 85% 11 personnel in the first quarter. Okay, they're doing what we said we're going to do. Let's stick to the game plan. As a matter of fact, let's amp it up. Let's attack that 11 personnel. Here's how we scheme to attack that 11 personnel all week long, right? 
And then on defense or uh, from a defensive perspective on their side, you've got to look at it and go, okay, in the first quarter, are they pre-snap sugaring with safety rotation? Because that's something that's a staple in this Vic Fangio defense. And what I mean by sugaring, it's basically you're trying to disguise. I'm not going to go into all the details of the history of disguising and how Bill Belichick did it to Peyton Manning in the early 2000s, extremely successful, how people have done it to Aaron Rodgers. They do it kind of the opposite because they just want to show a too high look and stay in that too high man typically. And Aaron's one of those guys that doesn't like to turn the ball over, so he's not going to take chances. Therefore, he holds the ball. And if you get pressure on him with a four-man rush, that's how you attack Aaron Rodgers. That's how you beat Aaron Rodgers, right? But are they are they snap are they pre-snap sugar and with safety rotation? In this Vic Fangio style defense, what they like to do is show two on the shelf. They like to put the safety split a too high look. They typically have the corners anywhere from five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage. So you're showing a four high look. You're showing a cover four look, meaning uh, you know, the from left to right, from the offensive perspective, the corner on the left side of the field's got the deep quarter, the free safety's got a deep quarter, the strong safety's got a deep quarter, the right corner back on the right side, the boundary corner has got a deep quarter, okay? Quarter meaning like quarter of the field. Like the, imagine the field is divided into four sections, okay? So you've got all, all four deep covered, right? That's what the pre-snap look is. But rather than shift around a lot pre-snap and do pre-snap sugar, they do post-snap rotation. So they show that cover four look, they show that too high look, and then bam, as soon as the ball snap, the safeties rotate around. And nine times out of 10, you end up with, with a single high look, whether it's in man coverage or you're playing a cover three buzz, a cover three hawk, whatever it may be. You've you've only now you've only got three guys on the shelf and you take underneath away with a safety rotating into the box. Okay. That's that's a lot of that buzz and things like that that the Seattle Seahawks did with the Legion of Boom back in the day. Give you an example. On Thursday night, that's exactly what happened um, in the Thursday night game. You could see the L.A. Rams rotating. They were bringing safeties into the box post-snap. But the thing that Josh Allen did so well was obviously he can make plays with his feet, but at the same time, he was waiting for his receivers to clear to that second level. That's how you attack it. And what has to happen is the underneath coverage has to make a decision. And more importantly, the defensive coordinator has to make a, a, prior, a prioritized decision of, okay, we're going to make them nickel and dime us. And you've seen that happen a lot early in the game, right? And it's, okay, are you going to give the underneath? Or are you going to give the intermediate hoping that your pass rush hits home? You've really seen the L.A. Rams miss Von Miller because Von Miller was the X factor for the Buffalo Bills. He was the difference in that game. If Von Miller's playing for the LA Rams instead of Buffalo, that game goes drastically different. Aaron Donald can only do so much in the middle of the field. He's arguably the best interior defensive lineman to ever play the game. And you've seen he didn't have that big of a factor on the game, even though I think he did record at least one sack, maybe two, but it wasn't enough. Not like coming off the edge because you put those tackles on an island and you've got to make a decision. And Are we going to have to have our running back and our tight end chip? right? That stuff all comes into play. But again, it comes down to, are they pre-snap sugar and with safety rotation? Number two is a lot or heavy box. Minnesota's got to make a decision. They've got to make a decision. Are they going to play a lot or a heavy box? One of the disadvantages to this Vic Fangio style defense is when you show that cover four look, when you show that too high look, your safeties are not in the box to help with the run fit, right? Lo and behold, if you look at Green Bay's run defense numbers and their run defensive grade last year, I think that is a, a, perfect, a perfect example of the reason you have those low defensive PFF grades 
as far as playing the run is because you're playing with the lot box the majority of the time. You're asking that lot box to do too much, right? But essentially, that's where the game has gone today. You know, you've seen, you've seen it happen with Kansas City last year. Teams were playing too high looks, and they were they were begging the Kansas City Chiefs to run the ball. And they did occasionally and, and were somewhat successful when they did, but it's like they could not get out of their own way. They kept going back to the pass, back to the pass, rather than taking what the defense has given them. So you've got to ask yourself, um, are they pre-snap sugaring? And is it a light or heavy box? Guys, if they choose a run with a light box, let's pound the freaking rock, right? Let's pound the rock and lean on the run all game long. If they're playing with a heavy box, let Aaron Rodgers do his thing with play action, establish the run early, play action, and hit on the backside of that underneath defense as those safeties do rotate in. That's why those two things come into play. Those two questions come, come into play very, very heavily for me. Because if they're going to be doing post-snap rotation and bringing those, that safety into the box, they're going to leave that intermediate to deep vulnerable for Aaron Rodgers on deep crossers. If Christian Watson is one of the focal points and we got that speed, stretch the freaking field, try to take two defenders with him, and you're going to see deep crossers open all day long if Aaron Rodgers has time to throw the ball. That's something that's going to be huge. And, again, the play fake and establishing the run is what's going to keep that uh, that pass rush kind of at bay for the Minnesota Vikings. So, first quarter assessment, those are my three questions. On offense, are they 11 personnel heavy, period? That's going to really establish how you attack their offense from a defensive perspective. On defense, are they pre-snap sugar with safety rotation? And is it a lot or heavy box? Those two things are going to determine now, the second and third quarter, this is the, the second aspect of what Lombardi talks about, the second phase of the game. In the second and third quarter, you've got to adjust, adjust, adjust. You've got to make an adjustment to the information you've compiled in the first quarter. Everything we studied all week long, really all offseason long, because we know they've had plenty of time, this coaching staff, they're not limited on the amount of time they could spend in the office. And in the office, and, and you heard Aaron Rodgers brag on Coach LaFleur as a grinder, right? They've been looking at this information all offseason long. But guess what? So have the Minnesota Vikings. Kevin O'Connell's cut from that same cloth that Scott McVay uh, or, uh, yeah, that that McVay, um, Sean McVay. Yeah, Sean McVay. I get the names mixed up all the time, which is funny. If you guys were on a live broadcast the other night, Jacob pointed out that I am the what he referred to as the brunette version of Sean McVay. All right. And I got to I got to say this on the air because my wife got mad. She watched the stream. She said, that's not what I say, Clayton. OK, I said on the stream that she said, is that that really hot coach with your haircut? That's not what she says. And she wants it to be on, be on the record that what she says is. That's that's the coach with the really hot haircut. OK, she said there's a big difference there. I just had to mention that because she as soon as the stream was over, I walked downstairs and I seen the look in her eye and I thought, oh, my God. I forgot to take the trash out or something, right? But anyway, um, you've got to be able to adjust. You've got to be able to adjust to the game plan. You've got to, okay, what is it they're doing from that Sean McVay system, right? What is it they're going to do? And and you've got to be willing to adjust on the fly in the second and third quarter. Now, the third quarter is a little bit easier to adjust, and that's where the middle eight really comes into play, guys. You You hear me talk about it all the time the middle eight and how important it is because the middle eight is what controls the momentum of the game. What I mean by middle eight, the last four minutes of the second quarter leading into halftime and the first four minutes of the third quarter coming out of halftime, that middle eight, if you track these games and I did it all year last year, and I think it came to an 83% success rate 
that the team that won the turnover differential and the middle eight, meaning treat that middle eight minutes as a separate ball game and keep score separate. 83% of the time, I believe was the number I came up with, the team that won both the turnover differential and the uh, the middle eight, they didn't even – they just had to win at least one of them and not tie the other, if that makes sense. It could be a push on turnover differential, and you still win the middle eight. 83% of the time, the team that won the middle eight won, right? And that's how you've got to adjust. Go, coming out in the second quarter, take the information, apply it, bam, get a little bit of momentum, whether it's just three points. And you've seen some of the games that the Packers lost last year, man. It was crucial field goal misses right before halftime. The middle eight is huge. And then coming out in the third quarter, you've got a little bit of time at halftime to go, okay, here's our scripted plays. Let's run a, a 10 or a 15-play script coming out in the third quarter to attack what they've done. And typically the team that's winning is at a disadvantage because they're going to go, let's keep doing what we're doing, right? And the other team's going to go, this is what they're doing. Let's adjust. That's what makes the NFL so great. It's, it's awesome. So, all right, fourth quarter. The fourth quarter – and what Lombardi says, it's a whole different ball game. You've now compiled this information. First quarter was your assessment real, right? Was it was it um, was it on point? Was it accurate? Second and third quarter, you adjust. Fourth quarter, it's a whole different ball game. Treat the fourth quarter like the game just started. You've got all this information compiled now. Let's play a brand new ball game here and finish strong, right? And when the game is on the line, this is something that I've had to accept over time, and I haven't liked it. Um, it was, uh, you know, take your eye off the ball. Uh, Pat Kerwin always said when the when the game is on the line, and this is also Bill Parcells 101, when the game is on the line, don't think play, don't think play design, don't think scheme, think player. You go to your big-time players in big-time moments as long as the matchup isn't at a huge disadvantage. Uh, this is not – I'm not talking about throw to Devontae Adams and double coverage down the middle of the field against the San Francisco 49ers when Alan Lazard is running a deep dig wide open across the field, as what they refer to as butt naked because he was butt naked wide open coming across the field. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your first look needs to go to the best players on the field, and it all comes full circle for me and how we need to attack this uh, this defense because, remember, I said, is it a light box or a heavy box? When the game is on the line, think player, not play. And for me, it's the best players on that offense outside of Aaron Rodgers are the running backs. Get in that pony package. Get your best players on the field and pound the freaking rock in the second half as long as they're not loading that box down, right? And what we want to do in this game is play from ahead all game long. We want to start fast, play from ahead, so we can run the freaking football down their throat. They are not a good run defensive team. They're not. And they pick the defense that's very vulnerable to that. The only problem is in today's NFL, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of teams aren't patient enough to continue to run the football against that uh, Fangio defense. They get too cute. They think, okay, the play action's set up now. Now let's throw the ball, and you put yourself in third and long rather than third and short. You know, running a play on third and four is totally different from third and eight. You've got a totally different selection of plays. You understand that when you see these coaches with the play call sheet, People see it and they go, oh, that's kind of overkill. No, it's not. There's sections broken down on that play call sheet that's telling them, okay, here's my third and long plays. Here's my third and short plays. If you look at the third and short list, there's probably twice as many calls as there are in third and long. So there's only so much you can do in a third and long situation. So you want to put yourself in a third and manageable, manageable position because the best players on our team 
are the running backs on offense, in my opinion, as it sits right now. Romeo Dobbs may change that. Randall Cobb may be rejuvenated in the second year of this offense with Matt LaFleur, and he may come up and light it on, on fire like he did back in the day with Aaron, right? But as it sits right now, in my opinion, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are our best players. Use Aaron Jones in the passing game and in the backfield, but also pound A.J. Dillon downhill. Uh, <clears throat> use that pony package. We got something really cool set up for the live stream. Me and Ryan, uh, probably Jacob, I'm sure several people will be on the live stream. But we got a little sound effect. Every time we see Pony Package, we're going to gear it up. And uh, hopefully the disguise isn't too good that we can spot it in real time. And that's the only other thing, too. We've got to make sure we're synced up for the broadcast. But it's going to be a good time. If you guys want to come hang out with us during the game, we'll have a live stream on Ryan's YouTube channel, my YouTube channel as well. Hop on in there and hang out with us. It's going to be a blast. But – uh. Again, on offense, have yourself in a position to stick with the run. Your best players are at the halfback position. Think player, not play. Okay. On defense, you've got to take away Justin Jefferson. You've got to take him out of the game plan completely. Guys, you've seen last year when they took Devontae Adams out of the game plan, it completely changed everything for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, look at San Francisco. People were going, how do we how do we not score more points than we did in that San Francisco playoff game? They literally double teamed Devontae Adams and took him out of the game plan. They were trying to force us to win without him, and Aaron Rodgers chose not to. You guys know I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. As a matter of fact, I, I think he catches way too much flack. I really do. But he he's not the only reason we lost that game, but it was a big reason because there were there were open receivers and he just chose to go to Devontae over and over and over. Again, think player, not play. When the matchup warrants it, right? That should be your first option. But if they're playing bracket coverage on your number one receiver, don't force it in there. Aaron typically does a great job of that, but it's easy for me to say warm on my couch here in the game room in the studio, right? Um, but I'm not out there freezing my keister off trying to make decisions on the fly with with the, with the Bosa boy breathing down my neck, right? And, uh, and all that. So armchair quarterback, I, I'm a professional at it, but yeah, believe me, I don't, I don't have a clue what those players are going through on that day. So I think you got to take that with a grain of salt for sure. So again, let's take away wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. Let's force them to play left-handed. Let's make them use Adam Thielen. Let's make them go to Irv Smith Jr. So let's do a little bit of bracket coverage in passing situations, right? In passing situations, be smart about it and try to take Justin Jefferson out of the game plan. And I think the key to that is going to be to get a pressure with a four-man rush on Cousins. Guys, Kirk Cousins, whether Packer fans want to admit it or not, and we have a lot of fun making fun of him, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think Michael Lombardi listed him as a red-chip quarterback, if I remember right. He's one of those guys that if you look at the numbers, and Jacob mentioned it the other day on my pod, I think it was on Sunday, um, he mentioned about how uh, under pressure and protecting the football – Kirk Cousins' numbers were very, very close to Aaron Rodgers. He loves to protect the football because he knows that turnover differential is huge, right? And Kirk Cousins, as quirky as he is, you know, you like that and all that stuff that, you know, for whatever reason he feels like he needs to, to do that stuff. Um, yes, he's quirky, but he's a good quarterback. He really is. Is he worth the money? Has he been worth the money? I don't know. I, I would say probably not, but then again, there's some bad quarterback play that's getting overpaid in this league. Um, but you got to pressure him with a four-man rush because he likes to protect that football. If you just bring a four-man rush and and you have Justin Jefferson bracket covered and, and you kind of take everything away from that standpoint, if they're not leaning on the run enough, which, again, 11 personnel 
and they passed the ball 59% of the time, both in Minnesota and the LA Rams last year, um, where, where Kevin O'Connell was and Wes Phillips were, um, I think you could do that. I think that's a, a feasible game plan. So on offense, um, lean on the running game, really, really force them to load the box so you can open up stuff on the backside of that underneath coverage as they do uh, begin to rotate those safeties if indeed they, they approach it that way. And then uh, on defense, take Justin Jefferson away, pressure with a four-man rush. That's how you're going to win this ball game, in my opinion. I think it's going to be absolutely huge for the Green Bay Packers to approach it that way. So, all right, that being said, let's shift gears real quick. That's my game plan, all right? I'd like to recap it, but there's so much there. I wouldn't even know where to start to recap. Um, I guess the one thing I will mention is with a four-man rush, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary should be able to get pressure on the quarterback, period. They should. I think Quay Walker's athleticism in the middle of the field is going to play a huge role in how we play the run with a light box if we decide to go that way and bracket cover Justin Jefferson. Because you can't you can't do all these things at once. You got to be very strategic in how we approach that. Okay. Um, but the fact that they've got Christian Darisaw at left tackle and Brian O'Neill at right tackle, I personally think. Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary should be able to get pressure. I'm not saying they're horrible tackles, but I feel like Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are better at what they do than Christian Derisaw at left tackle and Brian O'Neill at right tackle are at what they do. Okay. So you got to get pressure with that four man rush. And Adam Thielen is going to be one of those guys that, you know, he's either going to kill us or he's not going to be able to step up. And that'll be their Achilles tendon if indeed we do decide to take Justin Jefferson away. I don't have any reason to believe that Jair Alexander is going to be uh is going to be covering um uh shoot uh, Justin Jefferson. There's nothing to lead me to believe that right now. It sounds like Russell Douglas will be playing the slot, but whatever side of the field that Justin Jefferson's on, schematically you got to look at it especially from a you know a down and distance perspective. It's third and eight. Okay guys look let's bracket them underneath, bracket them over top and then uh, you know, it's going to take somebody locking down Adam Thielen as the safety release there. Um, again, Irv Smith Jr. may show up and have a big game. If he doesn't early and they're not utilizing him early, then you really got to bend that coverage to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and try to shut them down because we're probably going to have our nickel defense on the field the majority of the night. Now, the other thing is there's rumors that when we go to a dime, rather than take Quay Walker off the field, he's got the athleticism to help in the passing game, um, the pass defense then they may leave him on the field in what would normally be a dime look, right? So we'd have him and Devondre Campbell on the field. I tell you, man, I'm, I am very, very excited about Quay Walker. Very excited to see what he does in this game. So hopefully you enjoyed that, guys. That, again, this is going to be kind of a, a common theme throughout the year. It takes time. I wish you could see the notes I've got wrote down here. It really it, – I, it took longer to study this than it did to actually record the show. But I think it's worth it. Because we want to bring you guys here at Packernet Podcast, we want to bring you a different angle that nobody else is in podcast form. And I want to get this out a lot quicker. It's 12.30 Eastern time on Saturday. I was hoping to have it go live 12 Central um, on Saturday. So you would have plenty of time to listen to this as kind of a pregame primer, if you will, to the Vikings game. And uh, we'll get better at that for sure. But that's going to be the theme all year, the Packers Total Access episode, um, the day or two before the game. This is what it's going to be, all right? And then keep in mind, immediately following the live stream tomorrow, Jacob and I will go live for the Packers post-game show, Packers Total Access post-game show. You can find that on my YouTube channel. Um, hop in there and comment, man. We want you guys to be a part of the show. 
I wish there was a way to have you guys call in, but unfortunately we can't do that right now. But uh, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a, a great time. We'll recap the game, and hopefully we're rolling out the barrel, which is something we're going to do as the Packers get victories uh, all year long. Um, I don't know how to call this one, man. You know, the point spread is so close. Um, I think the Packers are like one and a half to one and a half to two and a half point favorites as it sits right now, depending on which bookie you're looking at. Um, and I'm not trying to turn this into a gambling segment. I'm just that's that's a realistic approach. The point spread and, and what people are expecting, both the public and Vegas. I think that's something that's important to look at. Um, I'm not putting money on it. I don't feel that comfortable with it. You guys know I picked the Vikings to win earlier. And as we got closer to the game, I feel better about the Packers. So it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun because one thing's for sure. We typically split with the Vikings, and most of the time it happens in Minnesota that we lose. If we can go up there and get a W and get this early season monkey off our back, man, this season's going to set up to be a real nice one. It really is. And I think all the things that we covered today is going to play a huge role in that. So as we wrap up, I want to I want to mention a listener email. This is really cool, and it's something that we uh, we definitely uh, – we definitely strive to do. You guys know we always end every episode with our little tagline, and some people probably roll their eyes and go, yeah, whatever. But it's something that Ryan is uh, – it's very, very important to Ryan is giving back and uh, making sure that we're making a difference in this crazy world, and that's really our goal. But as you guys know, we did a giveaway some time ago with our first round of Pristine Auction and actually got a listener email in, and I don't think he'll mind mentioning it. I'm not going to mention his whole name, okay? but I'm just going to mention his state and his first name because I didn't ask him for permission to read this. I'm sure you won't mind if I don't give out all that information, but this, uh, this is what Packernet podcast is all about is, uh, you know, giving back to you guys because you guys are awesome, man. Um, we've got the best listeners in the world. Maybe I'm biased. I don't care, but just seeing the guys on the Facebook group, there's a couple of negative Nancy's in there, but they're welcome as well. They keep us in check because you know, I'm a Homer and I'm, I'm not shy about it. I'm not going to call – I'm not going to do a podcast trying to depress uh, Packers listeners and talk about the political realm and, and you know, what this player thinks is important and what this one doesn't or who's upset about, you know, whatever. I try to shy away from that. Sometimes I get sucked into it and I'm trying to get better, and I appreciate the listener feedback helping keep me in line. It's very, very important because I, I'm, I'm so new at this. I'm a rookie. But the one thing we want to take serious is giving back to you guys. This listener email comes in from Matthew, okay, and he's in Georgia. He said, hello, my name is Matthew out of Georgia. I'm not going to say the city. Father of three and a baby on the way in December. Love the show. You guys are awesome. I've never really won anything in my life, so I just want to let you go, guys know how much it meant winning this Quay Walker jersey is the title, Quay Walker jersey winner. Money is tight down here, so I don't ever get to buy myself anything. Bills get the majority of that claim. So getting this, man, really made my day. Got me pumped up for the season. Love you guys. Keep it up. As always, go Pack Go. And, uh, it's, dude, it's hard not to get choked up reading that because that's what it's all about. It's it's about making the world a little bit better place and talking about the Green Bay Packers and the game of football that we love so much. And this, what's, what's cool is this giveaway isn't a testament to Ryan. It isn't a testament to me or Jacob or anybody else on the Packernet podcast, Justin or any of the guys, right? There's too many to mention. I feel like I'm always leaving somebody out, so I, I apologize. But it's not It's not about us. The reason we're able to give this away is because of our following, because of the listeners, because of you guys, everybody hearing my voice right now. You're the real difference makers. 
You're the ones who made this happen. You're the ones who are sitting through the ads. You know, when we take those quick commercial breaks, it's the thing I hate the most about doing a podcast. Absolute most. But understand by doing that stuff, it gives us a little bit more of a platform and some resources to give back like this. So essentially, this is what you guys gave back, not us. The reason that Pristine Auction was interested in sponsoring the shows and sponsoring the Packernet podcast is because we have a high download count, which is, I mean, it's we hit an all-time high, I think, three days ago, which is unbelievable. But the fact that you guys are listening and sitting through those ads gives us a little bit of a platform to give back. You guys gave Matthew this jersey. Just understand that. It wasn't Ryan. It wasn't Clayton or any of the other guys. You guys did this. So thank you all for being who you are. It's like Seth Ruder. Seth Ruder was the, the winner of the Rams game drawing, okay? Um, probably, I guess it's okay to mention his last name. <laughs> Seth, sorry, Seth. Um, I, I don't know Seth from Adam, right? All I know is when I was going through and tallying up the donations to Drew's seizure service dog, right? We, we attached a GoFundMe. First of all, I bought an extra ticket to the Monday Night Football Packers-Rams game uh, on December 19th in Green Bay. Indoor club seats, like a $500 ticket. I put it a part of my tithing budget. Didn't It didn't set me back because it, I have it budgeted in to give back to people. And I don't give the big churches. I don't throw money in the pot. What I do is save a portion of, of my income, put it back. And when I see somebody who needs it, I give it away. Right. That's just how I roll. Um, I remember growing up dirt poor, living in the housing projects in the trailer park. And I remember looking around going, all these people riding around these fancy cars. Why is no one helping us? Why do we have to live like this? And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say at that age, I said, I'm going to go out and make a difference. But you can darn sure bet that when I cut the corner and got out on my own and got a little bit extra money in my pocket, I'm looking for that little lady who's got two kids in a buggy with dirty faces in the grocery store. And I'm going to try to drop them a Hunsky. I'm going to do that before I give it to the preacher who's driving the brand new Cadillac. I'm sorry. And I'm a Christian. I don't mean to bash Christians, but it is what it is. That's how I like to give back. So we bought this ticket. Seth Seth was entered into this drawing so many times. There was no way he was not going to win it. He donated over $700 toward Drew's seizure service dog. Right, Drew needed a seizure service dog, obviously dealing with seizures and all that. And I attached the GoFundMe to this contest and said, if you want to be entered into it one extra time, every $5 gets you an extra entry into it. Seth Ruder came in, bam, over $700. So lo and behold, when I spun that wheel, 90% of the wheel was Seth Ruder, and uh, he won. So he'll be going to the Rams game with us. So shout out to him. I know we talked, we chatted on Facebook, and he's absolutely stoked about going with us, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome time up there. So, again, because you guys listen and uh, and listen through the ads, sit through the ads, guys, that's the reason we're able to give back. So, Matt, Matthew, congratulations on the autographed Quay Walker jersey, dude. That's absolutely freaking awesome. So excited that you got it, man. And like I said in the email, dude, this is going to be your best year yet, man. Dude, just keep trucking. Father of three, got another baby on the way. Man, you just keep working hard, and we appreciate you listening, and we're excited about, uh, about you know, this being the best year of your life moving forward. So I say that because – I get passionate about it, man. It, it bothers me when I hear other podcasters and other people in the media and whatever, you know, they don't ever seem to care what anyone else is going through. It's just me and my followers. They're those people that will follow you. You follow them and then they immediately unfollow you so they can have a little bit better, you know, ratio. I don't understand that, dude. Some of these people, man, some of these people ain't ever ate cereal out of a spaghetti stain Cool Whip bowl and it freaking shows. I'm just telling you right now. They were born on third base and act like they hit a triple. 
But I got to I got to say in this year and I'm going to sign off, man. My big thing this year and I've got it plastered everywhere. I got it on my computer screen. I got it on my background on my phone. It's don't try to grab every single dollar and protect your friends. And everybody hearing my voice right now, man, I consider you friends. The love you guys shown me on Twitter, the love that the Packernet podcast family shown me. Um, it's it's going to be the best football season ever, guys. We made it. It's week one. And uh, I'm fired up, man. It's going to be going to be an awesome year. Again, don't try to grab every dollar and protect your freaking friends. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. Third down, inches to go. The Vader, 17 to 14.